We've all learned throughout life that there are things you just don't want to touch. Hot stoves, mean animals, and turds, to name a few. In our trade, those things still apply, along with a lot more. On this episode of the podcast by Logsmiths and for Logsmiths, we'll get down and dirty on the downright dirty. I'm Tim Coleman, and along with Tyler J. Thomas and Jeff Moss, we are the Three Tumblers. When I go out on a job, the first thing I ask the customer is to show me all the work they want to have done. I pay attention to the hardware, keyways, and general appearance of the entries. Normally, I can locksmith something together, but there comes a point where the hardware is either in such bad shape or quality, the doors are beat all to hell, or something is just really off with the customer. So the the first thing that I get when I go to a residential job is when I'm ringing the doorbell, I look to see what's on their front door. And I can already see if it's Schlage, Quickset, Yale, you know, whatever it happens to be. And then when I'm doing the walkthrough with the customer, I'm able to say, yes, you know, the same key will be able to go into all of these. But also look at what's on there. Is it something that's been discontinued for a long time? You know, is it something that's going to be a pain in the ass to take apart, like Quickset Titan? Uh, you know, I had a job a few weeks ago where they wanted an old Westlock knob rekeyed. And I called my boss and I'm like, how the hell do I get this thing apart? And he said, you don't, you sell them a new one. And just because it was probably 45 years old, at least. So, I mean, Tyler, when you were doing residential stuff or, or even, you know, mostly residential stuff, but what kind of did you look for when you were getting there to the job? Like, was there certain types of hardware that you just wouldn't touch? Mm, I wouldn't say wouldn't touch, but there would be things I'd be happy to see versus miserable to see. If I saw a smart key, I thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be an easy one because they probably got it throughout the house. And that's this is just a quick job. Other stuff, older wisers. Remember the, the power bolt, stuff like that. You always had hesitation thinking, well, if I take it apart, something may break and they don't have replacement parts. So I'm going to be up Shit's Creek. Uh, but I'd always tackle stuff. I would just be more or less pleasant when I saw some things. Right. And I mean, it, we even have a, a disclaimer that we give every customer that has smart key because they do go wrong on occasion. And I tell people, you know, look, 99.9% .9 of the time it works, but the nature of the beast is they, they can just stop. Uh, Jeff, when somebody brings something into your shop and, you know, says, hey, can you make a key for this? And it's something that's, you know, wasn't good to start with. There's a perfect example that we get every at least once a week is a master warded padlock key. It's not worth the five dollars to make a key for something that will probably break the machine when a new lock with two keys is a lot cheaper so we just yes we could cut them we do have the blanks but we don't bother it's not secure stuff we don't it's not worth it you know you can we much rather sell you a new lock pin tumbler with a couple with new keys and be on your way 
yes, we do have a machine that cuts other keys, but they're not solid steel necessarily. You know, it's not worth, it's the risk is not worth the reward. Right. And, and also if you're, you know, like we talked about in the pricing episode, if you have set itemized pricing, obviously you can adjust it, but you don't really want to. But if it's something, you know, like the Titan knobs, if they don't have a current operating key, you know, Titan or just, I hate Titan. Whenever I see it, I just cringe. And I don't mind. I mean, they're not my favorite, but. You know, well, you, but it was discontinued like what, 22 no, years no, ago? No, I don't know where you get that info from. They still make them. The quick set, it was the Titan, then it was the Ultra Max. Now it's the signature. We still get them. We have customer, a couple customers that use them. They're still a pain. If you don't have the key, you have to pull the pin out from the back and do all this shit. I still don't like them, but they're not discontinued. So whoever says that is wrong. Okay. Well, I'm I stand educated then. Well, they, they didn't even come out maybe 20 years. They've they've not been out. They they probably came out in the late 90s. Um, but they're definitely not discontinued. Like if you look up a quick set 780, because I know that's what we order, that's you know, they don't call it the Titan, but it's definitely still there. I order them several times a year. Gotcha. Have you ever either of y'all ever run across the uh uh really, really cheap doorknobs that kind of look like quick set but they're not and they use that same wire retainer type mechanism to hold the the cylinder in there yeah it's like the dollar store version yeah those things are a pain in the ass yeah those are i don't i don't you and the first time i ever ran across one i don't think you can use that quick set pickle tool on it too you got to rotate it 180 degrees don't you yep yeah. And and try not to blow it all to shit whenever you take the plug out, like I, I, I did saw, the first time. Yeah, I saw one of those first time that came out, probably oh eight oh nine something like that, and smacking the shit out of that pickle fork, thinking, "Why in the hell is this not working?" And then just by chance, I rotated it one eighty degrees, and it fell out. And I'm like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, mine fell out, and everything else fell out, and the whole damn thing blew up. And I'd been on my own on the road for like I don't know two weeks, and uh, ten cylinder rekey took me four hours across two days yeah so yeah i don't like it well the the next thing i was going to go on is if a customer has decent hardware you know schlage or or decent quick set i i will be fair to quick set or you know baldwin or mtech or something like that but the door's just gone all to shit you know is or or it's the wrong door in the wrong setting in other words you go to a uh commercial property like an office building and they've got residential doors with commercial hardware on it that just you know there are some things where like the doors are splitting apart jason went to a job the other day it was a reiki and he showed me pictures of it he removed the quick set tylo knob and the quick set deadbolt from a commercial hollow metal door and when he did the skin on the door just split wide open and you know it's just shit like that and i know we can locksmith that i had to locksmith something thursday morning the same thing hollow metal door and the skin was split off of it and it was pulling the closer off and making the closer malfunction and i fixed it because i went where the skin meets the top frame of the door and drilled a couple holes through there tapped it for quarter 20 and you know shot some quarter 20 bolts in there 
to hold the the thing together but you know i think there comes a point in time where when we see something like that we just kind of have to say no that's i i can't do what you want me to do because the door's rotten i mean there's also people that want to cheap out and buy a schlage fe or a, a schlage uh, you know residential keypad deadbolt for commercial stuff i mean it's not going to hold up we try to tell them that it's not the right thing for it but if they don't listen and they're installing it themselves then that's on them if the door's too messed up sure we turn work down if it can't be secured we're we're not going to put new hardware on something where the door won't even swing or or whatever the case is or or where you're going to have to use a sledgehammer to beat the frame back into place correct yeah tyler what's the like the worst thing you've seen that you know as far as doors um like the condition of the whole door and frame and everything what's the worst thing that you've seen that you just would not touch well the weirdest i ever seen that i did touch was the guy made his own door in his garage (laughs) and it was like um i don't know uh had wood framing but in the middle was almost like a styrofoam a little bit tougher than styrofoam that he had poured or sprayed or whatever and he was adamant that one of multi-lock deadbolts on them like throughout the house i put those on and 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 made it work but that's the strangest one uh probably shouldn't have touched it but yeah it was his house remind me to send you pictures of the door in my shop here at home uh going between the side that everybody sees on camera and the storage side I will send you pictures of that. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, it was definitely a homemade door. And it's actually double swing doors. So one swings in, one swings out. So the the last thing that I want to get to in this block is the door's fine, the hardware's fine, but the customer is not fine. Like they're they're wanting like there's a family living together. And they don't like each other. So they want to lock each other out and have like double cylinder deadbolts between the upstairs and the downstairs where they each live. Or the the one customer like I had that was flaky as shit trying to get a hold of him. And he would only communicate through text message except when he called demanding to know where we were uh, after he ignored phone calls, text messages, and emails for days and hours. And I finally get out there and he wants cam locks on literally every cabinet in his kitchen, including the cabinet that stores the trash can. And he also wants residential deadbolts on his linen closets, his food pantry, everything. And he wants it all to be on the same key. That just, no, I I called my coworker while I was in the back of the truck because I was trying to had a key to code for a toolbox that he had and I was having her run the code and I said look I said you know I'm a fucking cop and I am getting weirded out by this guy I said I don't want to come back here and I quoted him like for all the other stuff I quoted him like three grand and he said okay how soon can you get it and I'm like 12 to 24 weeks at minimum. And I gave him names and phone numbers of two of our competitors in the area and said, you would probably want to check with them. They can probably help you better than we can. I mean, Jeff, you kind of touched on it earlier, you know, customers insisting on stuff. What, you know, what have you seen like that? Not, not 
so I mean, there's there's been a deadbolt sitting on our will call shelf for five years because the lady insisted on Medico, but she only paid for half of it and never saw her again. It was before it's been there since before I worked there. You know, the people that like, look, we know that you have peaks and you're the only one who's getting the key made. So either you lent your key to somebody or you left your door open because there's no way that somebody's copying that key. Um, more so just what my, you know, the stuff that comes in that I hate doing is, you know, mas master keying defiant stuff. There's, you know, th there's locks that are so shitty that when you try to put two pins in the chamber, the, the plug has to be drilled deeper for the pins to sit properly. The locks are not worth the cost of rekeying, but we do it and that that that's your whole next block. You get wow. you get to tell us all about that then. But thanks for the tease. Like we've said before, when you work for somebody else, you have to do what you're told to do. The yeah. No. You you do. I mean when when the boss hands you something and it's like, God, this is gonna be such a fucking pain in the ass. I don't want to do it. You know, he's like, do it. And it, yeah, you you have to. You feel like somebody has sent you out to collect all the dog turds from the park. Tyler, I imagine you deal with a lot of different customers and, and you have, especially in, you know, earlier in your career. I mean, what like what are some of the, the little telltale signs of a customer that's going to be one that you don't want to touch, you don't want to be involved with, like when you first start talking to them? I've always found that the the worst ones aren't necessarily residential. It's commercial business tenants, not owners, tenants that are trying to be sneaky about rekeying or changing out hardware really quickly because, you know, an eviction's coming or something or another. But people that are very adamant that cost isn't an issue need to be done right away. But it's an obvious non-security issue. No lost keys no break-ins anything like that just i need this lock change right away i need to, I, you know add this right away that was always a red flag to me and that's that was uh let's see that was the first time i had a gun pulled on me one of those situations so that those always set up red flags for me residential not so much it, you know it's their house what they want to do what they want to pay uh be happy to acquiesce wouldn't agree or recommend it but if they want to do it more than happy to help i mean the thing is though like we said in another episode you have those life safety regulations that you can fall back on if you have a residential customer that you you don't want to really do what they are requesting and you can find that life safety standard somewhere like in the example that i gave a little bit ago families who don't like each other but they live together and they want to lock each other out well, in, in Georgia, uh, they, they don't really have much to say as far as life safety for single dwelling units. Um, when you get into split use, multi-use things, yeah, but if you've got people living in a, a house that's considered single occupancy or single family, then Georgia doesn't give a shit, so... I, I can't fall back on that, but when, you know, when you get to apartments, obviously, and, and multi-use tenants, yeah, then, then you can have something to fall back on, but Georgia really doesn't give a shit about a, a single dwelling home. Well, I, I don't think North Carolina really, really does either, but out of general practice, like double cylinder deadbolts, I, I don't want to do. 
Uh, we had customers last year. I didn't deal with them directly, but I was in the shop when they came in. And it was a mother and daughter who lived together in a single dwelling house. And one of them lived in the basement. And the only means of egress, they wanted to install a double cylinder deadbolt on. The only means of egress from that basement. And none of us wanted to have our names or fingerprints on that at all. So I guess that's kind of what I was thinking of. Yeah, I don't our, miss those days. Yeah, yeah. If if it was up to me, I would not do 90% of the residential that I do. Tyler, just to talk about last week again, uh, episode about pricing, someone on Reddit just said, if you never lose any sales, your prices are too low. Uh, I would agree, yeah. <laughs> I would yeah, charge more. Or just charge more. Quote, quote it to where if, if it's a shitty job and you know it's going to be a pain in the ass, quote it so high that hopefully they'll go somewhere else. But in my experience, when you do that, they're going to call you back about three days later and say, yeah, we decided to bite the bullet on this. And then that quote has bit you in the ass and you're going to have to just man up and do it. So who do you go see if you want all your cheap ass hardware master keyed? Probably not Jeff. He's already said that, but he's going to really tell us why after we listen to some free music. many times customers want things done but don't want to spend the money like master keying cheap hardware for example or maybe a key got cut on a machine that was definitely not the best choice sometimes customers insist on having you make keys for certain cars no matter what the risk if you make any of these choices you'll probably wind up regretting them and as i talked about earlier you know people are always bringing in defiant stuff to be either keyed to their master key which is really just a change key or putting it on a system because they don't want to buy Quickset hardware, which while not great, at least master keys better. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you may choose to not do it. I don't have that luxury. Um, we do it. We don't love it. We do our best to make everything work and make sure that it's not going to cause too many problems. Tim, you work in a shop. I guess, do you see that? I mean, you're not, you don't have stuff coming in, you know, you're not in the shop full-time like I am, but I'm sure you've had people bring stuff in, maybe a cheap electronic lock that they want you to install and they just insist on it. We actually have a corporate customer, commercial customer that is, is an apartment complex. All of their hardware is quick set. Well, let me back up. All of their hardware is quick set, keyway, KW1, keyway, space and depth. It's not all quick set. And we created years before I started, the shop created a master chart for them because they wanted it all master keyed. And they will buy whatever they get off the shelf. They will go and buy their hardware, their deadbolts, and then bring them to us to key up. We have no clue what unit is going on is sort of cobbled together almost and they'll bring it to us and say we need this keyed up on our master new change key so we go through our list you know through our charts and we find a new one and we do it and it fucking sucks because there are times that you know they'll buy gatehouse or defiant 
or or they do know not to buy smart key but that's out of their budget i think so we don't we've <laughs> only seen that like once so yeah yeah my favorite is when they bring stuff in and they have 12 different buildings and the boxes say that they're from one building and that they're actually keyed to a different one and it just takes longer to get them apart and figure out what goes where but we don't necessarily care what suite it's going on but we at least need to know what building and how many and what date um speaking of that you know having key machines that are better than others um at cutting keys you know cutting medico on the hpc 1200 is not fun but it's the only option that i have um tyler doesn't have that problem because they've got better machines than probably some factories do I guess what what is your policy if you were doing a having a retail shop would you buy the machine you know after having a certain amount of keys that you can't do would you decide then okay I'm going to invest and buy a machine that does this what's your take Tyler uh well the the dedicated medical machines are expensive as hell I mean they're like 15,000 MSRP list price I, I would go with uh, an ITL, which is what we use. We've got three of them, but we've got, well, five of them, but we've got one that's custom to Medico. It's kind of a set and forget thing, and it rotates. But yeah, the HPC is hell cutting Medico on those. You know, a Medico machine itself, it's dedicated. It's one keyway or a few keyways, platforms, whatever it may be. That's a lot of money, and that's a lot of space to take up just for one offering that you sell. Sure. And I will say that, you know, we had an older high security duplicator for automotive automotive after a while we were having issues with it. And we did get a new one because, you know, the machine was 30 years old and we were just having problems with it. Um, but that's something that gets used every day, even though it is only basically for one function. Um, I mean, the HPC is very versatile and they work great for all the other stuff. I'm sure. If it were up to me, we'd have nice new nice and shiny machines. I, I know that the framing that we use for Peaks does do medical, but you have to buy other parts and swap things out. And Tim, what do you, what, what say you? I, I wanted to say in our shop, we do have the, the Medico machine, which sounds like a vacuum cleaner giving a job to a blender. We have that for all of our, you know, M3 keys that we do, but we do have a, uh, a couple customers who were on the what is it like med four keyway that's you know been out of patent for years and those keys we have to cut on the the 1200 and they're a bit of a pain in the ass to do they come out working okay but it's just kind of a a pain in the ass to to do everything to rotate your cutter and you know line everything up do do all your cuts and you really have to do like you know 20 or 30 of them to get your rhythm and figure out how you like doing it do you like doing cuts one two three four five six or do you want to do all your left cuts and then all your right cuts and then all your center cuts i like going in order but that's still a lot of switching back and forth. So that's what I've got to say about that. And, and I, part of it is because the machine can be different every time you use it. We always pin up a cylinder and make sure that it works when we're cutting keys. So even cutting one key takes the time to pin up a cylinder, make sure that it works just to be 100%.
And then my last thing, which neither of you guys are lucky enough to do automotive, I will just say that when somebody calls, there are certain brands of car keys that we immediately will not do because either it's like the like the warded padlock key thing earlier, the price is not, or the, the reward is not worth the risk. Audi, VW, the German foreign type of cars. Yeah, we can cut it, but we can't really do the programming and it's just not worth it. Um, certain Mitsubishi keys, we know from experience, there's that when we had the jet clone, you just knew that you do three or four of them and you have problems, something isn't right. And not saying that if it's th that car, the v whatever it is, there's certain ones you know you're going to have trouble with. Um, you know from experience that if you're doing a GM prox key to try to block off more time because it could take a half hour instead of 10 minutes. Could we originate keys if someone tows the car in, depending on what it is? Yes. It's generally not worth it because, again, you're taking somebody who's in the shop and dedicating them to do something else when they can't be working on other things. Somebody brought in a trunk lock from a 1948 Buick. Of course, the code didn't work. The locks rusted together after doing some research and talking to some people. Now I know how it comes apart. I'm not going to turn that work. It's work that you think will be easy, but ends up not being, you know, you charge accordingly. The guy said, yeah, I'm going to be out of town. If you can get it done in the day or two, that's great. If not, just let me know. You know, he's not driving his 48 Buick right now, so he's okay with it. And it's cool. You know, we get to take our time and, and work on, I don't know, you know, in the end, will it be worth it what you can charge for it? I don't know. But you know, over time, you learn what things are going to cause trouble and what things, yeah, okay, we can do it, but we have to adjust X, Y, Z. So just you learn it over time. Yeah. In our shop, our, like, like you said, I don't do automotive. Uh, we do have our automotive guru and she's scheduled to, to be in the shop, you know, certain times, certain days, we kind of, kind of figure that out as we go. but she's awesome at doing things you know like i've seen her do 49 studebakers you know she's gone out and done that and made keys for those uh and she's also you know run of the mill everything but all of us know any german made car we just automatically say no we don't do that and it's it's more of a programming thing like we've got equipment and stuff but it's one of those where we don't do it every single day. And so we're not really willing to take the risk on it because if we charge our standard rate on one of those cars, then it could cost us a lot more time uh, to do it. Nissan Rogue, <laughs> between the certain year models, what is it like 2014 to 2019 or something like that? Uh, you know, we don't do it. And we just have a blanket policy if you have a nissan rogue go to the dealership that's that's our recommendation sort of like um, Jason, we don't do hondas <laughs> we do hondas all day every day i i am literally the only one in the shop including the boss's wife who's not a logsmith she knows how to cut honda keys and i i've cut like two i try to avoid automotive like the plague you're a smart man all right, well, we've touched on a few turds so far, and Tyler's going to touch on a few more. And I'm not talking about his recent toilet replacement. 
We'll be back in a few minutes on the Three Tumblers. careers in this trade we eventually figure out what's going to give us grief and i'm not talking like the peanuts good grief but more like the maniacal money and time eating job grief so why do things like electromechanical cylinders foreign residential electronic locks and ladder pools give me grief the first thing that really gives me grief are electromechanical cylinders the problem is is that you know they've been around two decades now almost, but primarily the the main one these days is the Click, which is a shared technology between Asa Abloy. And they've been around since at least 2008, 2009, and they still suck. There's still problems galore. We're not a Click dealer, but we have customers that use it through other subcontractors, and all I hear are problems. Jeff, Tim, have you heard any issues with the click or any other electromechanical cylinders in general? Just the cost, pretty much cost been cost prohibitive. I mean, I've seen a couple of them demoed, but I don't know anybody that uses it. I do know some place, there were some stores when I worked at the other company that used CyberKey and don't know what they ended up, if they still have it or what the issue if they're still using it or not. Um, I know having to replace batteries and keys is a pain because we do it for cars. You know, another person, I you know, he bring up Reddit. Somebody said, oh, like, you know, again, he basically said electronics is the future. Why are you why are you bothering with keys? And I just wanted to, you know, strangle the person over the computer. <laughs> it, it's your least favorite thing to hear. And I'm starting to agree. We actually... Uh, we don't offer, we're not a dealer for any type of electromechanical cylinders, but we do work for a couple national service providers that have sold some big box stores on the Medeco XT. There, there are two viewpoints that, that I have on it personally is the one is pain in the ass because you always have to call back to that NSP and coordinate with them when you're dealing with the cylinder and key issue itself. Now, granted, 99% of that work is on other hardware because of their contract. But when you're dealing with the actual XT cylinder itself, it's a pain because I've got somebody on the phone and I'm standing there with somebody who has their key their phone, their login to the app. And so it, it can be a pain. The other thing that I would like to say is that, you know, I was just recently in class uh, for the NCLA. We did get to talking about electromechanical key cylinders and how, Jeff, what you were saying with CyberLock, uh, you know, there were questions about the security of the technology and that and the the information contained in it. But I think people have questions about the integrity of the data in those cylinders can be a little blown out of proportion 
and is pretty much just really deviant people who think that you can easily withdraw that information from those cylinders. I think there's both benefits and, you know, both positives and negatives to it, but it's a pretty cool system. And I think some places that have been dealing with like click a little bit longer may have a little bit better grip on it. There are a few YouTube channels out there who have really gone into a deep dive on the click system. As far as physical implementation, I've not seen it here. I see it at all the trade shows that I've gone to, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of at the experimental phase in my career. Where I, I thought you guys did Salto. We do Salto. Don't they use electronic cylinders? Uh, it is not electromechanical. Okay. You bring up a good point too, or at least I'll give a personal story. The, the hockey team I follow religiously, the arena was originally outfitted with cyber lock keys. Have y'all seen those? That's what we were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So like the triangle ones, mm-hmm. they had so much problems, so many problems with it that after 20 years of dealing with it, they ripped everything out of the arena and just went to Sergeant. I don't know, even though the keyway, I just see it now. Uh, I, we were given an opportunity to bid on it at one point, but they were so disgusted and infuriated with it that they just fucking threw it all away and went back to basics. Yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, the most simple solution is better. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we see, Jason and I were just talking this morning, probably 60 to 70% of our commercial business now is access control. And we've not explored the electromechanical options just because of the, for one, the buy-in point on it. I mean, you have to, you have to sink some money into it. And for two, the learning curve and three just the added labor because even if you're you you pick up the programming and configuration and everything then you still have to spend time actually pinning cylinders so yeah that's all i've got to say yeah they keep trying to talk me into either offering it or at least uh, evaluating it for potential offerings when i say they i mean medico the answer for me is always the same uh no, you, you still got some ways to go before I get to that point with you. But anywho, that's electrical, electromechanical cylinders. Uh, the next one's foreign residential electronic locks. What I mean by this is not necessarily anything made foreign. I'm talking about what you can find on Amazon right now that looks chic and cool and novel. And then you get the lock and it's just shit. And sometimes you don't even get programming instructions. You have to figure it out. You have to navigate these weird websites and Google Translate and all of that. Have either of you ran into these shitty-ass locks on Amazon from China and wherever? Yes. Yeah, we've had a few brought in, just basically couldn't rekey them, told them to go somewhere. <laughs> so I was on a rekey uh, job, commercial rekey rented or leased space in a business park uh the property management who is somebody we deal with a lot and i go there and the the tenants are there 
is basically front door, back door, rekey is all that's usually required at that property. They had a electronic uh, lever that they had purchased that they wanted me to install on a door. And I told them, I said, you know, look, I've never seen this before. Most of the instructions are in Chinese. I have no clue how to use it. I can put screws through, you know, components and stuff. I can attach it to the door. I cannot guarantee that I make it work. And I said, and you will have to pay the installation fee regardless of if it works or not. And he agreed with it. I had him actually sign, like we have a a pre-work signature thing in our software. So I had him sign on that before. And I put it on and it, it amazingly it fucking worked, but it had like seven dimple keys. And I said, look, if you lose any of these keys, there is not a locksmith in this country who can make a duplicate for you. We don't get blanks. We, we, if we had the DSD information on it, maybe we could use something to duplicate these, but you're going to look at like a hundred dollars a key. So when this thing breaks, call us to come out, we'll drill the damn thing off the door and we will uh, replace it with something that we can service. Yeah. And I had a couple last week that I really guess I could have told the guy they weren't electronic, but they were just really cheap, quick set keyway levers. And I had to use snap ring players to get them apart from the inside. I was able to rekey them. It sucked. I charged them like 15 bucks a piece, you know, more than we would have. We norm if it was a normal rekey with a key in shop is nine bucks. So I charged him enough. I see the faces you're making. Uh, some guy is telling me to charge more, but uh, it was a lot more labor. It was a pain in the ass, and I hope he never brings any more in. Well, the guy telling you to charge more is a millionaire, so who are you to question him? Uh, the next one on my list are, are ladder pools, which have just popped up out of nowhere over the last five, six years. Jeff, have you ever seen those up in uh, northern Ohio? Just pretty much from the pictures you've shared. I mean, I've seen pictures that customers have brought in needing cylinders, but luckily I have not had to take one apart. Tim, how art thou? How about you? I, I When you told me the other day that this was going to be one of your points, I didn't even Google it because I I did actually Google it and I came up with nothing and I have no clue as to the hardware. So the uh, ladder pools are basically fancy door pools that appear to be ladders. You've got rungs and then you've got, you know, the side of the ladder that you hold on to them, primarily glass Herculite doors, but they put them on wood doors sometimes. The problem with these things is that it's kind of a wild west right now as far as cylinder format. Most use rim cylinders. Some use mortar cylinders. But it just throws a huge wrench into building hardware standards for large building property managers. And, and we're running into it now. Small format's not so much a problem, but if you've got a building that's 99% mortar cylinder or 100% mortar cylinder and now you're throwing in rim, uh, they don't have that inventory on hand. So then you've got to order it from the factory if you don't have enough on hand, which is a four to six week delay, which really throws things into uh, an issue as far as 
we're calling you two weeks before the customer moves in. We need 10 rim cylinders and I've only got eight in stock. The other thing is that not all rim formats are the same. You've got Sargent, which has its own bolt pattern. And then you've got everybody else, which shares the same bolt pattern. So you got to hope that the mounting brackets, mounting hardware will accept both. And if not, can be altered to accommodate the oddball Sargent. So I hate them. I, I don't like them. I, they're just a pain in the ass. I think they're obnoxious looking, atrocious looking, but that's me. Fellas, any last points, Jeff? Just know your hardware uh, inside and out, I guess, would be important. Yeah, property managers need to rein them in. Tim? Well, after we get done recording, Tyler, I want you to give me an education on what these ladder pulls are. But yeah, if I see something that is completely unfamiliar to me and I take pictures of it and send it to my boss, and he says, I have no clue what that is. And I send it to you and you say, don't fucking touch it. I'm not going to touch it. That's all I've got to say. Uh, they're, they're easy to service and put apart and pull back together and all that shit. It's just the thing is that you, you got, like I said, you got a building 99.99% on mortise cylinder. And then you've got 20 rim cylinders that just pop up out of nowhere. It's kind of hard to accommodate and plan for, especially when you're only given a few weeks notice. Anyways. I'm uh I'm gonna toss this turd of the three tumblers to Tim so he can maybe take us to some spare parts. What do you say? That was fucking good. With all the turds we've touched today, hopefully everyone has washed their hands and found a decent spare part. Tyler, what's yours? Uh, as Jeff alluded to earlier, and as uh, kind of apropos to my situation, I had to replace all my toilets in my house yesterday and some fixtures to get into my county's compliance for low flow plumbing. Wife ain't happy, but I don't give a shit. But she didn't want to spend all that money, but what can so you do? So you had to pay money in order to be able to dutifully give your shits. Had to pay that, yeah. Had to do that. And then also to uh, just be able to access water from my fucking county. That sucks. <laughs> All right, I'm going next. Ozzy Osbourne announced earlier this week that there are no more tours. He is canceling all of his future tours and made the announcement that he is physically unable to perform live anymore which is a shame i never really liked ozzy like when i was younger but as i got older i really really started to appreciate him uh jeff wrap us up on spare parts uh i was looking at some old newspaper articles from my university and there was a guy there whose name was frank Eason, and i just think everybody needed to know that that's an awesome spare part Go, wait, going back to what you said, you've never seen Ozzy in, in concert. Uh, I did. I was 13 years old. I saw him. I saw Pantera. I saw Incubus, Static X, Godsmack, all at Ozfest uh, back in 2000. I'm going to make a confession here that I've only made two close friends. 
I've never been to an actual rock concert ever in my entire life. Classical music, handbells, yes. Rock concert, never. Even working security? Even doing that. Wow. Yeah, I never forget that. It was uh, it was on uh, July 4th, too, because they, uh, well, everybody was kind of shit-faced. But yeah, 13-year-old Tyler, huh? I mean, I wanted to see uh, the Stones before Charlie Watts died. Um, I mean, Keith Richards, he really worried me when he said he was going to quit drinking because I'm like, well, shit, the Stones are all going to die out within two years. So, yeah, never been to a rock concert. Really want to, though. Probably either The Who or Styx. Oh, fuck, buddy. I've seen Styx nine times now. I got to go. I'll drive up there and see Styx with you again. I've never seen it, so pop my cherry on it. It, Well, at least I have to calculate. They've been touring in Alpharetta since our new amphitheater opened back in 08, 09, and they've come every year but two. So that's about 9, 10, 11, something. Well, hopefully you were pooping on company time while listening to us today. Our executive producer is the tall Tyler J. Thomas. Our technical producer is the lovely Jeff Moss. I'm your writer and editor, Tim Coleman. Our creative director is Drew A. Blank. Boy, isn't that true? Figure skating coach is Landon McKeister. And our chief legal counsel is Hugh Lewis Dewey of Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Otherwise known to the parking attendant as Huey Louie Dewey. Keep your stick on the ice. Boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I shit on company time. Y'all have fun. Stay out of trouble. This has been a Three Tumblers production. Season 1, Episode 9. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Find this episode and others wherever you get your podcasts.